Genesis chapter 8 tonight, Genesis chapter 8 tonight, and you remember last Wednesday night, I started on the prayer, we prayed, we talked about the powerful prayer of Paul, and what Paul prayed for, and he prayed for those that is in the Ephesus there, and he prayed that prayer, the Lord be with them, lift them up, and he wanted them to be encouraged by the Lord, and I believe that prayer that Paul prayed then is for us today. That we need to be uplifted and encouraged in the Lord in the world that we live in. The chaos that in Paul's time is about the same chaos that we live in today. Tonight I want to talk about the prayer of a fatherly prayer. A fatherly prayer. A father. I've really, really missed that we're missing out on fathers praying today in this nation, I do believe. So Genesis chapter 8 and beginning in verse number 18. And, when, and Noah went forth, and his sons, and his wife, and his sons, wives with him. Every beast, every creeping thing, every fowl, and every whatsoever creepeth upon the earth, after their own kind, went forth out of the ark. And Noah built an ark unto the Lord, and took every clean beast, and every clean fowl, and offered a burnt offering on, to, on the altar. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor. The Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for the man's sake, for the imagination of the man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither man's heart is evil from his youth, neither there will I again smite any more anything living as I have done. While the earth remained seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer, winter and day and night shall not cease. Let us pray. Father, we thank you tonight. Lord, help us to see your word and feel your word and Lord help us to live the life that we're called to live father we just praise you tonight for what you do in Jesus name we do pray amen uh, look at verse number 20 again it said and Noah built an ark Noah after coming off the ark endured all the judgment and the the wrath of God and Noah builds uh, an altar and I want you to get that in your heart tonight uh, I want to speak on to you the prayer of Noah tonight I pray that you get something out of these messages on prayer, that God will begin to awaken uh, your uh, heart of prayer. Uh, uh, here we read about Noah, and, and he prays a, a fatherly prayer, and I believe in my heart that that is the subject that we didn't read in this country today, in this hour, that Noah prayed fatherly. We all can agree that we're living in a very troublesome time today, in this world that we live in. And I don't have to point out all the negative that's going on in this world. You know it. You see it every day. You have to confront it every day. But I believe we're watching the dismantling of our culture, of our nation. We see America's at war. It's not at war with terrorists. It's not at war with uh, politician parties. Uh, uh, America's at war with itself. We see our nation is escalating rise of lawlessness in this world today. And rebellion and morality, uh, civil disobedience, we see it time after time, every time we turn on the TV. We're seeing the foundation of our nation being shaken, and we're living in a moral bankrupt, rebellious, hatred, chaos, and anarchy in this world. We're seeing things that are happening that Christ said would happen in Matthew chapter 24. Right before our very eyes, Paul said, Know this, that in the last days perilous times shall come. How many believe that we're already there? 
And then if you go on and read that, Paul begins to list those things. Uh, for men should be lovers of their own selves and uh, covetous and uh, uh, bolsters and proud and blasphemers, disobedient to parents, uh, unthankfulness and unholy without national affection, uh, truth breakers, false accusers, uh, incommit uh, fears and despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, heady mind and lower of the lover of pleasures uh, more than the lovers of God. We, Paul tells us that these things are happening and we see these things happening right before our very eyes today. Paul wrote that 2,000 years ago. He must knew that we were going to face the same thing. And, and the question that we have to ask, why are we seeing this unraveling in our society? What is it, what's going on? I believe that this, uh, this long before we see the dismantling of, the, uh, uh, of our nation take place, uh, I believe that something else happened prior to this. Uh, and I see it as the first, it was destruction of the homes, the prayer lives in the homes. I believe it, the saying is, so goes the home, so goes the nation. I believe the homes have been destroyed. Our homes are, are immorality. Our homes are uh, left fathersly. We, we have no leadership in our homes today. And I believe that. If you see rebellion in a home, you'll see rebellion in a nation. If you see hatred in a home, you'll see hatred in a nation. I believe we have seen God has drifted away from the homes, the heartbeats of the homes today. So as the home goes, so as the nation goes. Could it be that we're finding this uh, moral bankruptcy all throughout the land is really a symptom of we first find in our homes today. I believe if we'll uh, look at the text tonight, uh, the number one issue that rises in all the homes in this land is the absence of the fatherly presence in the home. Now we might not have that so much in this place, in this church, but throughout this land, uh, time and time again, places I've seen and people I've talked with, there's not a father figure in the home. There's not someone to, uh, to give them directions. Not, not an, uh, there's not an authority figure in their home. They're, they're depending on themselves. It said it, from the school ages from uh, first to the twelfth grade, Forty percent of the students do not have a father in the home. They're more prone to drugs. They're more prone to alcohol use. And they're least likely to attend a church and least likely to get saved at a young age because there's not a father figure directing them and guiding them. They're looking for someone to speak the authority in their life and in their family. Satan and all his demons stand ready to speak in their ears and in their lives. We have a generation of a nation that has been raised apart from the presence of God and they are looking for answers. We hate authority as a nation. I've seen that the last four years. We hate authority in the government. I've seen that in the last four years. We hate authority at church. 
Amen. We even hate authority at home. There have been all kinds of liberal movements throughout this nation. They're trying to stop the voice of the father. They're trying to uh, emancipate the masculinity of a man. They're trying to uh, get rid of it. They're trying to say, hey, uh, uh, the, I, I love watching the show. We watch it every morning. It's called Father Knows Best. But we're living in the country today that there's no father or presence of father in the country. They, they downplaying the role of the father in the homes today. So where are the fathers in this generation? And we need some that will stand just like Joshua stood and said, for as me and my house will serve the Lord. I don't know what the politicians are doing. I don't know what they're trying to promote. I don't know what the entertainers of this world are trying to promote. I don't know what the guy across the street is trying to promote. But for me and my house, uh, we're going to serve the Lord. What we need is more than anything else in this country is a revival of prayer in the homes. We need some daddies that will stand up and pray with their children. Gather them around an altar, an old-fashioned altar, and say that uh, the world is too dangerous, hell is, is real, and the devil is strong, and we need to cover our children with prayers. We need some fathers to stand up and say, I'm covering my children with prayer, and I want them to see me pray. We need to hear some more fathers say, I'm not raising dogs in my house. I'm raising people that are in the image of God and pray for them. What I believe that we miss in this country is fatherless praying. We're finding a generation that is reaching for answers and seeking answers. And this is what the Lord said it would be like. For nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilence and, and, and earthquakes in diverse places. When ye therefore see all these abominations and desolations spoken by Daniel the prophet, and the days of Noah were, so shall also be the coming of the Son of the Man. Noah and his family lived as believers in a time uh, that was uh, 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 hatred, in a time that was immorality, in a time of lawlessness, in a time of, they did not love God or seek God. Uh, they didn't want God. They didn't want part of it. But Noah and his family lived that. And Noah was living with the pending judgment of God. But what they did made a difference from everybody else. Noah was a praying man. And I'm just saying this, and I'm not just speaking to the, to the men tonight. I'm talking about everyone. Uh, the family needs a praying father. The family needs a praying mother. And I thank God there's some that pray for their children. There's some that uh, only their children have as a mother, and they're godly mothers. But uh, we need that fatherly figure and sit in the home to give them the spiritual direction and the authority that the children today are looking for. And I love this. The first thing they come off the ark, the Bible said that and Noah built an ark. He didn't say he went out and gathered uh, 
his uh, food and didn't gather a business. They didn't start this. And then Noah built an ark. And he gathered his family around an altar. And he begins to pray, calling on the name of the Lord and offering up sacrifice. Noah, why did you make prayer this first priority? Noah, why would you pray the first thing you get off this ark? Why would it be that you'll set and build an altar? Why, why would it be the first thing, Noah, that you would do this? And I believe if we look at this, we can see that in our own lives, and our own families, that if we start doing these things, uh, maybe we can be just like Noah and become somebody that God looks down and says, hey, that's mine, that's my child, that is the righteousness one. Noah displayed his thanksgiving for God. He demonstrated his thanksgiving in prayer. When, when he built the altar, think about it this, when Noah came off the ark, had a lot of things to be thankful for, so he just sung a song, thankful for. So why was Noah's first act was to build an altar? I believe he did everything in his power to thank God what God had done where God had brought them from, what God had brought them out. I believe he was saying, God, I want to thank you for saving me and my family. I want to thank you for sheltering me and my family in the way. Can you imagine walking off this ark after this, this flood that destroyed the world? And those who don't believe it, I'm sorry, the Bible said it's true, it happened. The flood had destroyed the things, every living thing on this planet. Imagine them stepping off this ark into all this destruction by the flood. Now they turn and look at each other thinking, had it not been for God, from protecting us, helping us, and guiding us, we be as everyone else, destroyed. Amen. Lost and, and damned to eternity of hell. But God comes to us and builds an ark, and God says, I know this time is tough. I know what's going on. The world is hard. But aren't you glad there's still an ark for you and I? The people of God, the people of Christ, are in the ark of Christ. You can say, come what may, come whatever happens in this country, whatever throws at me, whatever comes my way, I am in the ark and the ark is in me. I have safety in that ark. I'm glad of that. I got something to praise God for. And if you can't find anything else to praise God for, you say, I'm glad that I can praise God and I'm not going to hell. I'm glad I'm saved. I'm glad that the blood still saves. I'm glad that in this world of mixed chaos and all the things that's going on in this world, I am glad that I am in the ark. So Noah gathers his family. He's thankful. He's thanking the Lord for shelter. He's thanking the Lord for securing them. He's keeping them safe on the inside, sustaining them all those days and being there on the inside. Listen, notice when, you, when, when was they leading them around the alt, altar, it was Noah, not his sons, not his wives, not his uh, son, daughter-in-laws. It was Noah leading them around the altar. 
There were a lot of things that had to be done after this flood was, had come off. The first thing Noah does is says, I'm not worried about anything else. I'm not about worried about gathering food. I'm not worried about shelter. I've got to build that ark. I've got to build that altar. And we've got to come around the altar. We've got to praise God for what he just brought us from. We need to thank God for preserving us through all that time. This generation needs to see some fathers gather around the altar and be thankful for what God has done for them. They need to see your, uh, your gratitude unto God for being a blessing to them for what God has done in your life. There are those that can build anything in the world. They, they build buildings. They build skyscrapers. But the greatest thing that you'll ever build is the altar in your home. And then pulling all your family around that altar and praying. That means life or death. You can get, you can lead your, oh my goodness, you can lead your family into the altar, but you got to get them saved while you're here. Listen, there were those that said Noah was a failure. He preached all those years and years and years and the only people got saved was Noah and his family. Eight people inside this ark. Let me just say this. That man is not a failure because he got his whole family on the inside of the ark. Listen to me. The great thing that you can do is get your family on the inside of the ark and not only get them on the inside of the ark but get them to the altar and get them saved. We've talked about it a while ago. Some people have a hard time praying. There are times that I have prayed, Lord, I, I just don't know. I, I don't, I, it's just something that just blocks and just nothing come along. And all of a sudden the Lord said, won't you just start thanking me? For the small things in your life. And you start looking around. You see so much that God has done for you. That you haven't thanked God for you. And you keep saying Lord I thank God I've got a home. Lord I thank God I got lights. Thank God I got this Lord. I thank God I got that. And when you start doing that. When you start thanking God for those little things. That we take for granted. That we don't thank God for every day. It don't take long. Then you start thanking God for all the great things he's done in your life. If you want to have that good prayer life, just start thanking God for what He's done in your life already. Noah demonstrated his thanksgiving to God. I think we need to demonstrate our thanksgiving to God for what He's done in our lives today. Noah displayed his trust. Like I said, the first thing he did, he built an altar. That was his first priority. In fact, Noah took the very food and made burnt offering on the altar for God. He didn't build a shelter. He didn't build a business. He didn't store up food in the store bank. And you have to understand, there were no cows. There was not a quickie mark down the road. In fact, there was nothing across the road. There was nothing there. Here Noah's making offer here. Noah's making burnt sacrifice unto God. He's saying, I trust you, Lord, that you'll provide for me. I trust you in this ark. You've been with me all along. You brought me through. So I'm going to trust you from now on.
He offers that substance to God. You know what he's doing when he's offering to God? He's, he's, he's saying, Lord, I don't know where my next meal is coming from, but I trust that you're going to provide. I've, I've done it all this time before. Why should I stop? Listen, why should you stop trusting the Lord if he's provided for you all along? Why should something happen in your life to, to put a roadblock in your life? Why should you stop trusting God? God had brought them through the storm. God had brought them through the flood. And God had landed them safely there. God had brought them through that. Everything's taken care of. Why should they stop trusting God now? We need to see more fathers building an altar in their homes and start praying. Children need to see their fathers in their homes by faith and trusting God and depending on God for every daily need in your life. And when, you, when your children can see that you're at the altar thanking God for providing for you day in and day out, day in and out, that, that set presence of their life, that saying, hey, uh, my father trusts in him. Uh, he put his faith in him. I, I think I'll just put my faith in him. That's what's missing in America today. Their fathers of these children are not praying, and their children don't see their fathers praying anymore. And I believe it's starting to filter down in churches today where fathers don't pray at home anymore. Amen. Noah built an altar and said, Hey, family, you need to come around this altar and we need to thank the one that has brought us through and the one that is going to sustain us in life. What are you trusting in today? When you can't trust in anything else, you can trust in God. There, there's a lot of people putting faith in the government. There's a lot of people putting faith in money. And let me tell you what, every one of those is going to be destroyed. I'm going to put my faith in something that I know is not going to be destroyed. Jesus said, my word shall prevail forever and ever and ever. Not only did Noah demonstrated his thanksgiving for God and, and displayed his trust in God, but also he developed his testimony around the altar. Thanksgiving, he's looking back, trusting, he's looking around, but in his testimony, he's looking ahead. He says, what I'm doing, investing in building this altar, what I'm going to do for the future generations You know, in the Bible, this is the first time the word altar was used. And in the law of the first mentions in the Bible, it means he sets precedence. He, he sets the tone for what this word is used throughout the rest of the Bible. An altar just means the pouring out of sacrificial place. It is the idea of designated a spot where God and man comes together. And Noah sets that precedence. But Noah wasn't the only one who built an ark. The next time the word altar is used, Abraham builds an altar. Nothing is mentioned between Noah and Abraham about an altar. 
But we know this, somewhere along the line between Noah and Abraham, somebody had to tell somebody about an altar that Noah had built. So Abraham builds an altar. And he puts his own son on the altar. That taught him about the meaning of an altar. God provided a ram in the thicket. Then Isaac himself builds an altar. Then we find in the Bible, Jacob builds an altar. He wrestles with God, and somewhere along the line, somebody had to tell somebody about the altar. And when we see Moses build an altar, so he can pray to God, and God loves the altar, that he told Moses to build the tabernacle. In the midst of the tabernacle, I want an altar where worship and sacrifice will be done unto the Lord. Joshua built an altar. When he came in the land of Canaan, there was a generation that didn't know the Lord. But he raised up a boy named Samuel. And the first thing in his ministry, the first thing he'd done was built an altar. David built an altar. And he even taught his son Solomon to build an altar. And Solomon built the temple of God. And in the midst, they put the altar. And when Solomon made an end of prayer, the house of God was filled with his presence. Throughout the Old Testament, we find altars being built everywhere. If you go through your Bible and you study your Bible, those who built altars, they're already, they were great men of God. There was men that God used because they built an altar and made a sacrifice unto the Lord. That's telling God, I'm yours, uh, use me anyway. Every one of them built an altar. You find that. And you find those who did not build an altar, you don't find them in the Bible. And then you see the idea of this altar in the New Testament. It's recognized where place where you meet God. And even in Revelations, is an eternal kingdom of heaven. There is an altar in heaven. Those men were great in the sight of God. You and I could be the same way. We put an altar in our house and we start praying and asking God and making sacrifice on the altar and we'll see a change in our families. And when you see a change in your families, you'll see a change in this nation. As the home goes, so goes the nation. You let the home be destroyed, the nation will be destroyed. You let the home be immoral, immorality, the nation will become immorality. You let hatred be in the home, there will be hatred in the nation. You let abomination be in the home, you let abomination be in the nation. As the home goes, so does the nation. Can I ask you this? Have you put an altar in your home? Have you gotten to that place where you can just get with God and shut the world out and talk to God, speak with God? It's the one place in your house, wherever it may be, that you can meet with God. And I love meeting with God. God can answer prayers there at the altar in your home. You pray enough, you seek God enough, you can find God at the altar. Wouldn't it be great if we lay all our burdens on the altar and let God take them? Let God deal with the things of this life. 
the burdens of this life and we could have an altar. I pray that you have a place in your, your home that you go and you can speak with God and get along with God. Not to be distracted by the world or the homes or anything else, but a place that you and God alone could get. It might be out in the woods. It could be outside your house, but have a place that you and God can meet. Amen. Let us pray.